0: You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Hey, Bob. You're you're holding up a picture of three frogs, Mickey. And I'm kind of baffled as to what you have in mind here. Do you want to give me a clue? It's the French election on Sunday, Bob. Three frogs. Ah, yes. Frogs is what we used to call French people. Um, Back when we used unflattering appellations for national, well, no. Groups. See, I have an I, I knew you were going to say
1: that, Bob. I have—I have an excuse, which is the the up-and-coming right-wing candidate Jean-Marie Le Pen. Le Pen mm-hmm. has, in fact, issued this quote for why people are afraid that, of her victory. Scare-mongering, which entails saying that unless Emmanuel Macron is reelected, it will be a crisis, the sun will be extinguished, the sea will disappear, and we'll suffer an invasion of frogs,
0: no longer works. Ah, a pan told RT. You fooled so me. You fooled me. The frog reference she, I got totally wrong. So she is
1: she is invoking a, a horrible. She's a frog slur invoking frog on herself. You, you, you um, might
0: say if you were inclined. Say I might like say what that but she's a frog invoking frog, but I would not say I didn't that. Say I that. just I said I just you, you might. It. I said you might. Anyway, the, the election is interesting uh, because
1: uh, the polls show that she's gaining, mm-hmm. but some people doubt that. Well, first, some people doubt that they think that the uh, left wing candidate, the so called tortoise. As uh, is now gaining, ah, and the, the old tortoise and her. the
0: frog uh, fable. This is one of Aesop's <laughs> yeah. fables. Uh, and
1: so, I, I guess there's no hope that Macron will. Uh, there's, there's no chance that Macron will not make the runoff. Uh, but the other thing is the the role of of the
0: guy who I thought was going to do very well, Eric Zemmour, who is your uh, your kind of guy. Now, do you have a preference between Zemmour and Le Pen, or are you just kind of a all far right people <laughs> I, are fine. I, I I think I have problems with the, all of them, Bob. But uh,
1: Zemmour, I, I I like I like the idea that they want to control immigration. I think that's a big issue for them, obviously. But Le Pen hasn't emphasized immigration. She's emphasized the cost of living. Her, the, her immigration plan is still in place, but that's not what she's running on. Zamor so there's Zemmour. Either you hear it two ways. Either he was so right wing that he made her seem moderate. Mm-hmm. Or he, the other theory I heard is is that he appealed to the moderates, and and the, and he was sort of the gateway drug, and she snuck in and grabbed some of the moderate vote when he faded. And why did he fade? He seems to have faded because he took too long to embrace Ukrainian refugees after the invasion, and uh, he was he was slow to he was slow to be uh, pro Ukraine.
0: Well, the isn't it kind of hard for a person of his ideology to embrace refugees? I mean, he's kind of a yeah. That's why he was slow. control guy, right? <laughs> that's why he was slow. Um, but, uh, and and she beat him to that punch. Yes,
1: and she uh, she also uh, I think you know moderated on the
0: on the war also. And it's, is her focus on cost of living? Does that entail criticizing Macron for signing on to all the sanctions against Ukraine? That
1: would make uh, sense. I don't know logically.
0: I don't know. Uh, now, a very good question. But 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 seriously, your preference would be either Zemmour or Le Pen over Macron, or do I have that wrong? Am I am I relying on an no, outdated caricature of Mickey? N-
1: I I never said I was for Zemmour to actually win. Uh, no, I I don't know who I'd vote for. I think I might vote for Macron. You but, think you uh,
0: might? Yeah, I mean, if I was French, if you were a. Well, anyway, so you know what... Um, if I were Ma- green. You know what Macron and Biden have in common, I think? So but Macron has been fading in the polls, as you said, right? Yeah,
1: he, he, you know, not that much, but he, he's gone from like 24 to 22 or so, 26 to 24 or something.
0: So, I mean, so they, you know
1: what? Go ahead. No, I mean, the numbers are very low because there's going to be a runoff later. There are multiple candidates in the field. Mm-hmm. You would
0: assume that some of them would shrink as they do in America, but maybe not. But it, it's got to be kind of a a bad sign for people who aren't as uh, who aren't in your ideological zone that uh, that Le Pen and Zamora you add up the, their their poll numbers they're pretty high right what what do you get Do you get to fifty percent no you don't
1: I looked that up you get to like thirty three percent oh is that all yeah uh, so mm-hmm. otherwise Le Pen would be the favorite in the runoff but she's not uh, so no I. I get I get I get grief or I got grief from people for saying they thought I was uh for saying that I thought I wished Orbán would lose in Hungary which I said just because I thought hey it would be good if Hungary proves it were a democracy It could have a an actual election where the incumbent lost lost and there was a transition of power uh and and that maybe uh get rid of some of Orbán's corruption and have a real free media but uh that's not
0: going to happen because you won a resounding victory. So you know what the answer is to the question, what uh, do Macron and Biden have in common? Or what are they both discovering now, if they're paying attention? Um, they should be discovering the same thing. Uh, huh. They're not. I can't
1: say older women because Biden certainly must be older than his wife. Uh, <laughs> I can't say hair because Macron has a full head of hair not getting very close. Uh I can say
0: uh um done done They discovered dun, cognitive dun. empathy? No. It's uh it's that they're both discovering that when you're running for re-election it doesn't really help to get all involved in a war and the diplomacy surrounding the war unless it's a war your country is directly involved in. That's what I think. I think right, uh, like in Macron, this all of this gallivanting around trying to uh, bring peace to Ukraine doesn't help him with the voters, right? And Biden's numbers don't. At Biden, at first, seemed to be a little bit of a bump with the Ukraine thing, but it's, it doesn't seem to be a long term help here. It it's weird because um, uh, I think the Dem-
1: I, The more I think about it, the more the tone of his speech in Warsaw, the. The laying out this this generation long battle against autocracy, mm-hmm. and, and and reading the the tweet from Representative Ted Lieu, who was my congressman, who is uh, certainly clued into the party uh, talking points, uh, where he said, uh, "Of course, it wasn't an ad lib. The whole it was the culmination of the whole speech was that line, getting rid of Putin." Uh, I think they dis- they thought that it was good politics for them. What else they got? They got the Republicans on the run. Half of them are pro-Putin. They're fumbling. Uh, they, you know, the people are behind Ukraine. Let's get on the right side of an eighty-twenty issue, and it'll work for us. And I, I just think they're motivated heavily by politics, and that's a large part of what was behind that speech. And bizarrely, it didn't work for them.
0: Yeah, I don't uh, think it's going to work. I don't, I don't think people, uh, you know, there, there are, are are many Ukrainian voters in America. Um, and uh, so I don't think it will help. And But I agree that he's acting as if it's his big political hope. He he, he seems to be playing it in a political way. Well, he's I got mean, I, I he mean, a could, whole lot else. Well, but, but the truth is, if you ask what could help, it's uh, bringing the war to an early end and uh, having the peace deal involve some loosening of the sanctions so that we reduce pressure on inflation. And so... There's less inflation by the time re-election rolls around. That might help.
1: But when they, uh, they'd have to cut the peace deal pretty quickly in order to get inflation down well, they by the election.
0: But you know what he should do? You know what? Uh, this is a publicity masterstroke that you will only hear hear here. Hear. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear my, my idea? Like, yes. this is the kind of ingenious thing he'd do if I were Ron Klain instead of the real Ron Klain being Ron Klain. Okay, you ready? Okay, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good.
1: So he says
0: he he gives this high profile speech, and instead of saying Putin must go, he says Vladimir Putin, for the good of the world, I invite you to declare a two week ceasefire right now, just so the Ukrainian farmers can plant their Crops. This is the breadbasket of Europe. Just let them plant plant their crops. If we can't work out anything in those two weeks, at least they'll be in the ground. If God willing, there's enough rain, they will grow. And by fall, we'll have wheat. This is this is like genius level stuff, Mickey. You're not looking at me like I'm the genius. I feel like. No, I'm impressed. This is good. This is good. I think it's very good. And uh, plus, Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, you know, I, I mean. There's a lot of wheat that comes he, out of he, Ukraine in a normal he, year. He would have to uh,
1: do some finagling to say that the Ukrainians can't use the pause to like advance hundreds of troops to the areas where they want and, and
0: or that he could or they both could. Well, there has to I, be some parity there. I think there. I think Putin would almost certainly say no and it would just be a publicity win for Biden um because I suspect I mean look both both would try to use the ceasefire both of them could use some time in a certain sense. I mean, we want to get more weapons to Ukraine and Ukraine wants to get them into the country and move some troops. Putin wants to move some troops and let some troops rest up and get some more equipment to the front. I I don't really, I'm guessing that Putin fears a pause more than we do just because all the weapons we can in principle send in that Ukraine doesn't have. But I'm not sure who who would benefit more from a two-week ceasefire. He could draft more 60-year-olds for his army. He could do that. Um, uh, 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 that's a good, it's a good point, actually, that, it, that if, you know, they, they just uh, called up a bunch of conscripts, but under the normal uh, conscripts, but under the normal timetable, it would take months to train them. On the other hand, they could do accelerated training for the ones who look most promising or something. And in that case, and you're hoping to get them out in, the, in combat in a month or something, two weeks is is would help them a lot. So I don't know I, how um, this plays out. Uh, the, uh, freedmen of
1: Comet is freed seem to take a very pessimistic view from Putin's point of view, because he's now wreaked so much destruction on, even on the areas that are the most, would be the most pro-Russian, not that they're pro-Russian, but they're his best bets in the Donbass that they hate him too. So he's, he's going to lose a referendum because he's, you know, he's, they don't want to be part of this guy who's, uh. So if they if, they, if they, destroyed their country. So if they have
0: referenda in these uh like the Donbass the talks, republics yeah. or anywhere else or Donbass provinces. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, I'm wondering about that because one thing I'm wondering about is as this thing moves east, I mean, if this were, you know, 10 years ago and you had the Ukrainian troops moving to the east and you know, uh occupying towns as a part of the battle and stuff, I think they might have found themselves in a lot of pro Russian areas, but I uh, in which case they would be kind of where the Russians were, you know, when they were around Kiev, right. and uh, and I think that's you know probably one reason you saw so many atrocities is because they were in that situation. But the um, but I, I but Freed may be right, and, and, and uh, I mean Friedman may be right, and uh, I don't know. Maybe there's just not not much pro-Russian sentiment left. It- that that doesn't bode
1: well for for uh, negotiations because you, I, I don't know, this is, my, my instinct is, and this was the debate between you and Ann Applebaum, which I think is the crux of the matter. I was, uh, you have to sort of have Putin have some credible bit that he can bite off and, or not, not necessarily a piece of land, but some credible thing that he gets where he can, uh, you know, retire while saving face. Uh, and and it looks like the Donbass is going to go so badly that you know he's that that's not going to happen unless unless they uh they just let him occupy territory and subdue a hostile population which uh i guess is possible but anyway you had this debate with Ann Applebaum and i was very happy that well it wasn't was we actual, haven't actually faced off okay. but i said but something you cri- about her you, in my newsletter yeah. yeah and you criticized her in your in your newsletter, and but you know, but, but it was helpful because, uh, basically, you know, the the, the problem with the neocons is w- w- yes, they're very gung ho and they're very emotional about defending Ukraine, but what exactly are they going to do different? Do they want to do different than what everybody else wants? And you know, they we everybody wants to give arms, so the, and the, you know, any sane person doesn't want a no fly zone. I don't think Ann Applebaum wants a no fly zone, but she took a very firm stand against. Pressuring Zelensky to give up any concessions mm-hmm. uh, at these talks, and uh, and your you, you, will you characterize your piece, and then I'll. Oh
0: well, I on. think maybe she even uh, took a harder line than that, saying any. Uh, I'll I'll get to this uh, to her actual quote pretty quickly, and we'll be able to read it. But she was, um, you know, she was basically saying, "Don't give up any territory to Putin." in exchange for a ceasefire, which is a weird thing to say, because normally you're not giving anything permanently for a ceasefire. You're just freezing the action where it was. But I I, I, I took her to be saying, don't do a ceasefire until he's chased completely out of the country. That's the only way I can make anything oh, yes. coherent out of what she's saying. And, you know, I think where, that's Where are you nuts. getting this? Are you getting this from Twitter or her talk in Chicago? Uh, I, I was looking at tweets, and I'll, I'll read you her... Um, or tweet in, in, uh, in just a second. It is uh, verified photographs of the brutal mass murder of Ukrainian civilians, a reminder that the, oh, well, no, that's different. It is uh, well, I'll go ahead and read it. A reminder that uh, the Russian army is not just seeking to conquer Ukraine, it is seeking to eliminate Ukrainians, which first of all, I think is uh borderline, I mean, I don't think that's a warranted conclusion that, that, that they're trying to eliminate Ukrainians or even that you can attribute the atrocities to the Russian army broadly. Um, in fact, uh, today I was listening to the, um, the Ezra Klein podcast. And uh, let's see, what's the, what's the name of the- How do you the, keep doing that? I know. Well, he's a god among men and you can't really blame me for listening to it. But anyway, his uh, guest was what's, uh, what's uh, Fiona Hill. And she said, you know, she's nobody's idea of a Russia dove. She's uh, and she said she thinks the atrocities reflect the breakdown of command and control within the military. In other words, um, these guys were freelancing. But I kind of digress. So now she she okay maybe you're right, because here's what she tweets. She says everyone who now calls for Zelensky to make, quote, territorial concessions in exchange for a ceasefire should remember but this will what this will actually mean, colon. tens or hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians will die. So in other words, what she's imagining is that if if the Russians occupy territory with Ukrainians, even in peacetime, they'll just it'll be genocide. They'll just kill them all. And that's the only way I can make sense of these two tweets of hers. And I just think that's well, she totally could be unwarranted that. by the facts and kind of semi- yeah, she she could be saying that
1: if that, that that whatever peace you negotiate won't hold, and there will be another war in which uh, in which uh, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians die I, on the, New, the Munich analogy. She could be doing that.
0: Remember, though, those two tweets I just read are in a single thread. She says this is just proof the Russian army wants to eliminate Ukrainians, and then she says that's why a ceasefire where they get to occupy, you know, hold on to territory will mean. Right. However many Ukrainians okay. die. I mean, right. she's she's just. I I, I just I don't understand why people get. You know why mainstream media gives so much airtime to somebody who was so close to unhinged. I'm sorry, this is just I mean, not a balanced perspective. We'll
1: get to that, but um, she had she had, but she hadn't quite come out and said in in those tweets that you're reading from that uh, we shouldn't put pressure on Zelensky. Uh, and she had a she had a to be sure paragraph that said, uh, you know, of course, Zelensky may have some only bad choices facing him, and he may choose to to uh, give some concessions to Putin. Uh, she hadn't come right out and said that she was against people calling on Zelensky to make concessions if they're willing to concede that hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians were going to die, as long as they put that in the calculus. Maybe. Oh, maybe, but that's not they, what
0: she means. Maybe, She's saying so, they should remember. Well, this luckily, is obviously, the wrong thing to do. A idea. I,
1: luckily, I wrote it so vaguely that she tweeted back to me. Yeah. And said, "I am against outsiders calling on Zelensky to make territorial concessions." So there we have it. She's against outsiders calling on Zelensky yeah. to make territorial concessions, and. uh I don't know. It, that's a clear difference between you know people who are willing to pressure Zelensky to make concessions and people who aren't. And uh, I'm with you, but at least we finally have a some some daylight between
0: you and the neocons. By God, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, right? So uh, no, I, and here's you know to drill down on the reason I think she's misguided here. If you just look at the political logic on the Ukrainian side and the Russian side. Uh, this thing could go on. A, it could go on a very long time. And B, if it if it and this is truer actually since the Russia withdrawal than it was before the Russia withdrawal from Kiev. Um, and B, if it turns against the Russians, then Putin could do some very extreme things. And and what I mean by that is is this. So first of all, on the Ukrainian side, you know. With the Russian withdrawal, Ukrainians are starting to think, well, maybe we can push them out of the rest of the territory they're occupying. So the 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 goalposts are are kind of moving, and they are understandably uh, pissed off, to say the least, about the atrocities. So they're saying the Russians deserve this. So there's there's more and more motivation on the Ukrainian side. Meanwhile, they're going to get more and more weapons because, and partly as a result of the atrocities from the West. Now you look at Putin's side. Uh, a, the withdrawal is kind of a humiliation and it's it's part of this thing not going well for the Russians and lots of Russians dying and material being lost. All of this puts pressure on Putin to show real gains. He's got to politically, if he wants to avoid a palace coup, and I'm sure he's thinking about this. He's 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 really got to. And, and, and so many Russian troops are going to are going to die and be maimed and so on. And, and uh, he's got to have something to show at a bare minimum. He's got to have all of Luhansk and, and Donetsk, which he doesn't have yet. Uh, he probably is planning to hang on to everything else the Russians are occupying. But the other big thing, I think, in his calculus is. With the evidence of atrocities and with Biden calling him a war criminal. He's got to be realizing that if he is deposed in a palace coup he cannot count on like a worry-free retirement. I mean remember what happened to Slobodan Milosevic, right? He he, yeah. he he his success the successor government, I mean he just lost an election I think, but anyway, once he's out of office, Serbia traded him to an international tribunal for EU membership. In the case of Russia, you can imagine them trading Putin in exchange for sanctions relief. Uh, that doesn't seem crazy. So Putin, I just want to finish. For him, this is personally existential. And so if you're gonna insist on letting this go until they're like pushing the Russian troops out of Ukraine, which I'm not sure they can do. but if you're if you're letting go that far, then you I think you are flirting with the real possibility of him using a tactical nuclear weapon or doing something or or just no. uh, trying to wipe I, out cities with ballistic missiles yeah. in a way he has I just yet. Think-
1: I just think we, we're giving Zelensky a bunch of weapons. Uh, we have an interest in the fight, in avoiding nuclear war, for number one. Also, uh, in in avoiding the strain on the world economy if that whole region is tied up with war and not producing anything. Uh, and, uh, and we have a right to pressure him. I mean, I, I'm not saying we should order him around. I'm not saying, you know, he, he, that he doesn't, it's not ultimately uh-huh. his call but there's pressure and there's pressure, and we have the, a right to to say exactly what you said, which is you you know give some concessions. I would like to think the concessions would be in areas where there actually is pro Russia sentiment, but there there are very few of those areas now. I would I would assume Crimea is the only one. I was hoping we could get
0: away just with giving him Crimea. You don't um, think so? I, I suspect that uh, uh in the already occupied by russia or Russia proxies part of the of the donbass there's still a lot of pro russian cinema because they've been uh, absorbing fire from the ukrainian side for years and years right right um and so, and okay. look the the the, the pro russia twitter claims there's a there was a lot of pro russian sentiment in and mariupol and so on i don't know how, which is part of Davin, uh, uh, donetsk province donets province but um I don't know what the deal is. And I want to say, look, I consider it, you know, a very unfortunate sacrifice to make to give Putin any reward at all for invading. It's a he violated international law, but nuclear war is worse than that. You're losing the you're in in my comment section,
1: you're you're losing. And Applebaum has hundreds of fans and they're all coming in and saying it's despicable to. Give this uh, butcher any any uh,
0: concessions at all,
1: and I'm with you, Anne.
0: That, that so. is that is the level of thought that goes into it from her side, I think, as well. Not just her fans. It's like he's a butcher. Well, this can't stand. I mean, come on, step back. We're talking about a whole she, fucking world full of people here. Okay, it's not just you and your Twitter fans yeah, but, and your emotions.
1: Yeah,
0: you'll be you'll be ha- you'll be happy that she is
1: being trashed on Twitter. For another reason for they basically she was at this big atlantic uh conference on disinformation this was like almost you, you know almost a coordinated push to declare we're worried about disinformation they got obama to talk about disinformation and he yeah. had an interview with jeffrey goldberg bob uh, i know you're an admirer of his and uh, uh and they asked they asked ann applebaum who had uh, a, an interview uh, on stage at this event somebody asked her about Hunter Biden and she said, well, I just don't care about Hunter Biden. And she seemed haughty and arrogant to people who do care about Hunter Biden. And I dare say if it was Don Trump Jr., she would care about him. So uh, I, I um, she's getting a lot of grief for that. and uh, I, I don't know. I assume she'll still emerge from it as a star, but I've always found her uh, a little over excitable and overheated and well, uh, I don't think it's. Passion, I haven't noticed it being as bad
0: as it is with this particular issue. I mean, she's always been, I guess, either a neocon or quasi neocon. She, of course, supported the Iraq War. her Her feelings about violating international law seem to fluctuate over the years. She's against it when other countries but, do it, but but um, but but she. Uh, maybe I've just started paying more attention in the last six months, but she just. I'm sorry she just sounds unhinged I
1: I, I, is that, I mean her I mean it's not unhinged to think oh, that, that, that the Russians would you know do some ethnic cleansing and read I mean, that's been going you know, no she didn't just say it's been going that- on for years hasn't it I mean the a has battle it? between has Russian it? speakers and Ukraine speakers in terms of what is the population of Eastern Ukraine has been going on for years not that there's been ethnic cleansing but it's there's a battle of populations. Russians move people in to make them right. But what evidence? Russian, what evidence
0: right? is there? I mean, first of all, eliminate Ukrainians doesn't mean ethnic cleansing; it means kill them. And if she doesn't mean that, she should speak English more clearly. She said eliminate Ukrainians. Okay, okay? it was in the wake of of Ukrainians actually being killed. That's okay. clearly what she meant. She says the goal of the Russian military is to is is to eliminate Ukrainians. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I know some some. Some horrible things have happened in this war, and, and obviously I'm not on the side of the Russians, but that's crazy talk. No. It, could, it could be there's a secret plan, but there's just not evidence of it. Now I'm going to try to end your career. Is it genocide? Oh, well, I mean, you know, the, the meaning of that word has changed over time. It's up to you. <laughs> I, I just exactly. would say I just <laughs> would say, if it keeps moving in the direction it's going in, we, knew to, we need a new generic term for the Holocaust because now people people use the word genocide to apply to things that are orders of magnitude less less uh, I, atrocious than the Holocaust. So I should it's I up should tell the
1: readers that you've gotten in debates before over denying that something
0: way less than a Holocaust was I, genocide. I, I, no, no it, has, it didn't even rise to that level. It's a long story about uh, Jeffrey Goldberg taking a cheap shot. Uh I never made any kind of sustained argument about what is and isn't I just said, here's 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 the definition of genocide in my dictionary, quoted the, the definition, and that is in fact the definition. It used to it used to refer to um, you know, an actual attempt to wipe out an ethnic group. And and um now and and the human rights community itself has started defining it more and more broadly and now lately amid especially amid kind of the uh, the china tension it, it you know there's um, well with respect to both china and russia there's just you know kind of uh, in all kinds of realms there's there's pretty loose like, definitions being used like many other terms like uh white supremacy and
1: violence uh, uh and asylum once the interest groups and the lawyers get get around to rewriting the definitions it, they get much, much broader and and depart from what people thought of uh, well, thought they were before. I don't and think genocide that's the main... is another one. It's, it's a you know cultural wiping out cultural traditions without killing people. I think is now genocide. It's like
0: well, if you call that cultural yeah. genocide, fine. Then that specifies no, I, that you're I, talking about the culture. Yeah. But let me just say, I I actually think the main driver of it is the same driver that has led the word racism to mean to younger people something. Way beyond what it means to you and me, which is just that, you know, terms like this that can be used, uh, you know, to denigrate people because they are terms with uh, legitimately negative connotations, there's always a temptation to apply them loosely. Because when you want to demonize somebody, you might loosely call them a racist or loosely accuse them of genocide. And so... I think that's the big driver of the loosening of the definitions right, right, yeah. and, and, but, and again, it's fine if the definitions change. Language evolves' right, it's just yeah. it just leads to misunderstanding when different right, people are right, assuming different right. things the um,
1: uh, and what's important about Applebaum is not Applebaum, but that, but that is the, the schiz- that is an emerging schism between more neoconish people and other people who, who wanted uh, more more pressure for an immediate ceasefire. I noticed that the Kochs sent around a memo, or one of the cokes sent around a memo saying the best thing for America is if we uh, negot- oh, negotiate a quick ceasefire.
0: Yeah, but they were never so, neocons. Those are, those are paleocons right. on foreign policy, yeah. No, I'm saying, but they're, they're on the other side of the schism. I'm just saying yeah. that, is, that, is, that is, at least
1: they're fighting about something now, which... You mean conservatives? Um, well, at least it's not just all emotion. There's an actual, I, I just didn't, the debate mystified me before because we had David Frum and Ann Applebaum sort of get, getting all passionate about about Putin and nobody disagreed with them. What were they saying different than anybody else said? You know, um, now now there is something. So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't know I've that Applebaum that would ever have called herself a conservative um, or, a neo, or a neocon for that matter.
1: Really? You wouldn't?
0: Carr, I don't know Neo-Con? that she would have. I don't know no. if she if she would have. I don't, I don't. I'm not that up on her domestic policy views.
1: My de- My definition of neocon has broadened like the definition of genocide. So.
0: Who does it include now, now?
1: Anybody who disagrees with
0: me. Is- um, we got a bunch of other things to talk about. Uh, I'm I'm unduly obsessed with Ukraine, so you'll have to tell me what those are. Uh, well, there's a. Uh, Elon Musk buying
1: 9.4% of Twitter. I thought it was uh, 11. What maybe it's up to 11 now. The interesting thing, which I didn't realize, is part of the deal of him joining the board of directors of Twitter is he's capped at like 14.9%. So he can't buy the whole company, Ooh. which he obviously could if he wanted to. So it, I, I, the question, the question of the hour is, you know, he's done a great job shaking things up. He's disrupted the establishments disinformation week where we're supposed to all lay the predicate for censorship by bemoaning disinformation. Uh, and, uh, but what is he really going to be able to change Twitter, which I would think would be quite difficult because there are a bunch of dug in woke uh, millennials there and they're not going to leave. They're going to become the deep state of Twitter and try to persist in uh, monkeying with the algorithm to, uh, to, uh, Censor conservatives, especially in advance of the midterm election. And and it, with with only 14%, can he, you know, actually bring about change? I don't think that's easy. I mean, he, you know, at Tesla, he, he controls the whole thing. So if he wants to fire his whole PR department, he fires his whole PR department, which he did. Uh, no. you know, but but I don't think he can do that on Twitter. So no, I think, he may get, I think he may get frustrated and just go away.
0: I didn't know about the 14% limit. I, I That's would what Deborah say, Saunders says. I would say you know that in the board at the board meeting, she's going to be the dominant personality by a long shot. Uh, he's probably smarter than all of them. Uh, he's you know impossible to intimidate. The I, you know I wondered if you know, I don't know if you were following this, but you know Scott Ritter got reinstated in record time. He got kicked off of Twitter and he was reinstated kind of like that. I mean I don't think he got kicked off before Musk bought the the stock but I I um I think maybe it it took a little while for the for the nickel to drop uh for the people at Twitter is like now that Elon is but, here let's don't let's don't so casually well, but, be kicking people off of but twitter. that's just
1: deep twitter that'll last for as long as as they have to and then they'll go back to their old ways he's got to well, he's got to get rid of people the only way to solve I don't no know man, no that. problem, as Stalin said. You have to get rid of the <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. I think uh, I can imagine him having just a, an effect on the culture. You know, I, I don't know. Twitter's a very strange company. Uh, the the, the uh, this, I, I just think there's there's been less talent there mm. as a rule mm. than there has been other companies. And I don't <laughs> think it's going to be hard for him to... To really set uh, the tone of the room at a, at a board meeting and and, well, and maybe he, send around memos and 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 change a few things. Maybe if he brings
1: in his own CEO, somebody who's thinks like him.
0: Well, I would. Uh, certainly I think the it. current
1: CEO does not think like him. I think he thinks thinks like we have to stop disinformation. Uh, and the, what's important about it is, as he said, this is the town square of America now, uh, at least for journalists for people who care about politics. Mm. This is where it's at. If, if, uh, if, if the playing field is jimmied in one direction, that, that, uh, that, that will, even if it doesn't affect the election,
0: it breeds incredible resentment. Uh, well, you, you know, one thing about Elon Musk, and this gives me a kind of hope, if a distant hope, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this thing about Elon Musk and then you try to guess which hope I have. And I think you'll be able to guess. He is somebody who rethinks fundamental assumptions. He'll just look at something, and they've been doing it a long time, and he'll go, wait a second, why are we doing it like this? Why do you do this? Remind me, what's the logic behind this? Now, what do you think I'm hoping he will ask that question about at Twitter, Mickey? Uh, Yeah, well, that's on his list. The blue checkmark? The blue checkmark is not getting
1: rid of it, but making it more uh, broader.
0: Oh more God! People in. Then he's disappointing me. I mean, the fundamental question is: What the hell is this for? It has totally outlived its original stated function.
1: Well, but if you you could bring it back to its stated function, which is it just verifies that you are who you are. Well,
0: well then why not John's, give it
1: to everybody? Well, they'd have to verify everybody. Sure, everybody could be verified. Yes, that that would be broadening it. So the question is: How far is he willing to go? And uh, you know, it's become it's become like this thing where. Uh, You know the Twitter people think they're like uh, they're the gatekeepers of like the Nobel Prize, and they're and they're totally no. They
0: are setting the status hierarchy in America, and it and it has non-trivial impact. Yeah, I didn't realize this until I. It's like
1: they're yeah they're the Harvard admissions committee,
0: right? Because I didn't even realize that a lot of blue checkmark people have the thing set so that they see only other blue checkmark tweets. This I didn't know that until like a year ago. That's very consequential. Yes, uh, that, it, it's a disaster for me. As as, as, I, as but, with yeah. this thing
1: with an, the thing with Applebaum, confirmed. My sense is the only way I can get an attention from a blue check is if I name check them and attack them in a tweet. Right. They're never it, gonna. They used to just read me, and occasionally they'd comment and say I was full of shit or not right. full of shit. You, uh And that never happens. there, there are no right. blue check marks anywhere in my discourse unless I. Mention them directly and pull them in somehow.
0: And and I'm going to pause and dwell on this. And I know people, we've already, last time we discussed this, we took some shit from people who said we were just whining about like uh, not having a blue check mark, which of course we are. But separate from that, uh, this is really consequential. If you are the person who gets to decide who has the blue check marks and somebody of Ann Applebaum's ideology gets it, and you can make that call and you can you can decide that certain people get it and certain people don't. That is a very significant effect on elite discourse. I'm not saying they abuse it or exercise it. I doubt they're even that aware of it, but even if they're not aware of it, they can be exerting the bias. Yeah. Keep, keep in mind that
1: uh, this, the board of directors having impact. I mean, it's been pointed out that Peter Thiel and Mark Andreessen are on the board of Facebook and they're sort of pro-free speech and anti-censorship there. And they've had no effect on Facebook at all. Thiel has now resigned from the board, but uh, the, so the idea that that one or two board
0: members are going to turn the ship around, I think, is over-optimistic. Yeah, but but I and, think I think Zuckerberg has designed that so that a palace coup is completely impossible. More than more than most founders, he has insulated himself. He is the. He he he's like beyond Putin and Xi Jinping, way beyond Putin in terms okay, of job okay. security. But he 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 he's got it totally. He's untouchable, and I don't think that's the case at Twitter.
1: Well, also Twitter is not a very successful company, so they're, they're, they they right. they would well, be more receptive to new things. And Dreesen Andreessen said said something that was very troubling. He said, "If you want to read a book, buy it now in the print in a print copy." Uh, and and uh and do it right now his the the implication is they're gonna start fucking around with the text of books. Uh and either the book will be banned or they will excise the dangerous white supremacist uh uh you know et cetera et cetera uh portions of your book and Bob you have some of those uh that um uh not yeah, white you mean supremacist, white supremacist
0: books? Yeah, you have things that
1: that the that that uh, that uh feminists might object to and uh and uh and, and so you buy them buy him now because there's gonna be like a digital book book burning or book banning or book editing yeah. coming in the future and Walter Kern pointed out andreesa knows things that we don't know he's in these board meetings he's a big titan of, of but Silicon who's gonna, Valley. Do, who's
0: gonna do the the deleting I don't get it woke millennials at publishing houses. Uh, I guess, you know, if you want
1: your book on Kindle, Bob, you have to ag- agree to the, the, uh, the boundarized version.
0: I, you know? I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I, well, I don't know about the the law. I mean, I hold the copyright technically anyway. Uh, anyway, you're right. Everyone should buy the moral animal, non-zero, <laughs> the evolution of God, why Buddhism is true and three scientists and their gods. Yeah.
1: Um, thank you. Is that the, is that the whole gamut? I'm afraid not enough to get you a blue check mark, buddy.
0: No number of books is enough to get you a blue check mark. They, they <laughs> okay.
1: count for zero. Um, so other things to talk about. Um uh, it, It's become clear to me. Pelosi said something very smart. I thought that he, she'd been get, get sh- given shit for it. But apparently privately, she said, oh, they're having a, a contest over there on the left for who gets to be the queen bee of the progressive movement. Is it going to be AOC or Pramila Jayapal or, you know, Elon Omar? And uh, that, that, that struck me as exactly what was going on. Because the only way to explain some of the wacky machinations on the, the reconciliation Bill Beg Better bill is, it was to pr- promote Jayapal's personal brand. Because she she would like make a strong stand against voting for this bill, and then the next time she would completely cave. And why didn't she just cave the first time? The answer is she wanted to have this image of her standing, making a strong stand. So I think AOC is going to run for president. Seems completely clear to me. She would be old enough one month before her inauguration if she won. There's there's nobody else to run against. She uh, she almost alone can run against Kamala without being accused of of, of, of racism. And uh, she's young. She's charismatic. She'll do, if she gets 30% of the vote and loses, she's done her career some huge favor. She's the Gary Hart-like favorite next time around. It just
0: seems totally obvious to me. Do you think she'll challenge Biden? Do you think she'll be the one who breaks no. the ice and says the game is on? She could even do that.
1: She could even do that. That would
0: be a useful service. Yeah, she could even be
1: the, uh, she, she might get some, she might hurt her career a little bit with establishment types if she did that, but uh
0: she uh, might well certainly,
1: certainly if uh if Biden uh doesn't run
0: uh oh, I think she's I, in. I fear he will, but that's why they've got to set up a challenge and, and and you know, of course, the one person who cannot challenge him is Kamala. It's, it, you know she can't declare war on him but but uh somebody needs to, and it needs to happen fast. Well, somebody um, on the left would be good. Uh,
1: it's just um, it would be better if there were some if it were somebody that didn't have as bright a future as AOC has. Uh, so it'd be you know, Gene McCarthy was not going to be the presidential nominee of the Democratic Party. It was worth it to him to challenge Lyndon Johnson. And when he did better than expected, it worked to push Johnson out of the race. You need somebody as as an, as unpopular within the Democratic Party as Eugene McCarthy was. Uh, And AOC is very popular, so she doesn't qualify, I don't think. Hmm. Um, Anyway. um, Does does
0: Pelosi has COVID?
1: Pelosi has COVID, which you should like because she was going to visit Taiwan and piss off the Chinese, (laughs) and instead she had to cancel because she got COVID.
0: Let me say... Pretty convenient. I want to go on record as saying I'm not happy that anyone has COVID. (laughs) <laughs> uh I, I by the way uh let me briefly uh laud myself when we did our predictions thing on new year's eve i said it was something like okay by january by the end of i think it was by the end of january this thing will be peaking omicron uh by by the end of March it'll be something uh, no by end of february then i but i think i said by the end of march my third monthly prediction was that China is going to realize that it's no COVID policy has left it in a bad place because it has built up no immunity. It doesn't have a great vaccine. And that seems to be happening now. I mean, I'm not celebrating it, but that really China at the moment is running into serious trouble in in Shanghai. The thing looks close to out of control and uh, at least the only way they are gonna control it and get back to zero COVID is by paying a significant economic cost, which means the whole world does. Uh here here's where I'm not sure your
1: your prediction was correct, which is I think I've mentioned this last week. I know more people who have COVID now than ever before. It seems like everybody's getting it. All the you know, you're nobody in Washington if your book if your book party wasn't a super spreader event. Uh you well, this know the is the second, Iron- Yeah. Gridiron was a super spitter event. Pelosi's getting it. I found when when it's when a lot of famous people are getting it, that's usually a sign that it's going crazy. Well, and, this is
0: the new variant of Omicron,
1: right? Yeah, and and yeah. and, and if people are recovering quickly; they aren't dying. But we don't know the long term. The problem is, even if you get it and recover, we don't know what it's done to your body. And I went to the Mayo Clinic site to look at what the possible. Long-term effects of even of mild cases from which you've recovered. And they are fatigue, shortness of breath, cough, joint pain, chest pain, memory concentration or sleep problems, muscle pain, fast or pounding heart loss of Mickey, smell or taste, depression have, or anxiety, fever, dizziness, uh, worsened symptoms after physical or mental activity. We can add to that blood clots. They get clots get in the capillaries of your heart. They Mickey. don't do any good there. Male infertility, Bob, low sperm <laughs> counts. Uh that we just shouldn't be happy. I'm sorry. We should we should still be fighting COVID.
0: There's only like two of those things I don't already have. So I don't really <laughs> I don't really see what the problem is. You don't have um, to tell which ones there. I'm not. Uh, that's in the parrot room I will tell people which ones I don't have. The uh so the Yeah sperm it, sperm motility, Bob. No, that's a good Low thing. motility. Oh, low motility? low motility. Well, that's a bad thing. You want your want your sperm to be
1: highly motile and they're bad and they're not normally shaped. They're ugly sperm that don't go anywhere.
0: You know, I've never found sperm appealing to begin with, frankly, visually, I mean.
1: Anyway, um, I guess, you know, I mean, people who served in World War II, their sperm counts went all to hell. Uh, you know, so it's not um Wait, is that true? Yeah, a lot of people who had infections in the Pacific. Oh, it uh uh, my well, father oh, yeah. had an infection in Pacific. His sperm count was very low, yet here we are. <laughs> so it's okay.
0: <laughs> right? well, uh-huh. I don't know. I'll let people uh, judge whether we're really okay. Uh, anyway, I did, I, it just seems to me that
1: everybody is so eager to get over, over with it. They're ignoring the fact that everybody's getting it. And it seems maybe there's a downside to that that is not being publicized.
0: Deaths, deaths per day is down under 600, which it, uh, is... People Compared aren't dying, people months. aren't being
1: hospitalized, but we don't know down the road mm. what's going to
0: happen. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you know, life is full of uncertainty. I, I, I just, you know, you hear these symptoms, and, and, and I think this reflects a failure to do solid research, but you hear these symptoms of long COVID, and what you can't get is any kind of sense for what percentage of COVID sufferers wind up with them. That's what I'd like to know. I mean, shouldn't our government be doing the kind of research that illuminates that question? I ask you. Yes, and 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 what, why would they not want you to know that they answer to that? Because it would be, uh, it would be high or it would be low. I don't think I don't think it's a conspiracy to keep the information from us. It just takes a very well designed study uh, to find out, and they haven't. Our government doesn't have its shit together. We already knew that, mm, okay. didn't we? Um. um So what else? Katanji Brown-Jackson.
1: Yes, I thought we I thought I was hoping we would be the only. Only show around that completely ignored Katanji Brown-Jackson. No, but Mickey, this is
0: relevant because this means that the Supreme Court no longer consists of a majority of white males, which means the last bastion of white male supremacy is our podcast. We are Um. the hope. We are the hope of old white males right right here. Is that I true? I think we should both have security details. This is so important to the future of America. No, I there are other there are other white male podcasts. I was kidding. No, is it true that the majority of the Supreme Court isn't white and male? I heard somebody say that. Let's do the math. Uh, Sotomayor, Jackson, Clarence Thomas, uh Elena Kagan is four. for and and name. Barrett. Amy You're Cohen right. Barrett. That's yeah. it. Yeah, We're done. Okay. We're done, brother. Hope you had a good time because <laughs> this shit is over.
1: Um uh, there's Disney promoting uh, uh, niche sexuality. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> well, uh, they're, which they're, which it,
0: niche? Which niche, Mickey? All of them, as far as I can see. And, so that uh, that just rules out uh, hetero white male sex, or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're 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 they're. But but I don't quite know t- to the extent to which it's actually is it a minority within Disney that makes a lot of noise, or is, or, or is actually every Disney movie going to have fifty percent, uh, you know, uh, underrepresented sexuality? Well, where is
0: it showing up in 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 movies in in the niche yes, sexuality? What do you mean it, in theory? Is it there or not? That's what I don't know. I mean, our kids being, our big, our
1: our kids being shown cartoons with non-binary kids as characters. Mm. uh, I I just, I just think that if that were happening, it would instantly be on right wing Twitter and I would know about it. So I'm assuming they're just, it's in the planning stage, but not yet in the realized stage. Wait, um.
0: I, I'm confused. Are you saying that there is any reason at all to believe this is happening or you're just? Oh, yeah.
1: There are there videos of like people, Disney executives talking on Zoom calls about how I intend for 50 percent of our characters to be LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. And uh, but you don't know if it's just that's just somebody who they tolerate on the Zoom call or is that the person who's actually in charge of programming? Uh, There's was an actual in rule
0: in Hollywood now, right? About the percentage of people on the sta- the production that's altogether. Yeah.
1: That's not the content of the okay. film. Okay, uh, but yeah, but in Hollywood, these quotas—Hollywood being Hollywood—these quotas being ultra, ultra woke tend to actually happen. So they weren't just talking about the quota; they now actually have a quota. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's, uh, but but you know, corporations have been known to try to buy off minorities. Without actually going there, so I don't know uh, if I were a, if I were a parent, I
0: would be worried. I guess if you were a certain kind of parent, if you were another if kind, were a certain you wouldn't kind of be. Parent.
1: Yes, correct. Right. All
0: the parents I, I know parent.
1: are my, all the parents I know are my kind of parent.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> uh, Except with the person, with I, the exception of maybe you.
0: I'm a parent, and I'm not giving much thought to this, possibly because my daughters are uh, grown up. Um, correct um, uh, so but
1: that's you know these the these the, the issues seem to be having uh traction with voters oh it wouldn't shock me um i mean that that was one of the lessons of the Youngkin election in virginia
0: uh no i think it's it's uh i suspect it can be used to to the disadvantage of the democrats at the polls yes um I mean, and, and, you know, like the athletics issue, you know, the, uh, a lot of stuff. Um, we, we, we still, um, anyway, that we, the, the Democrats
1: still haven't come up with an issue that they can use to, uh, not
0: lose big in the midterms. Uh, no, I think they're hurting. I mean, inflation, and this is like, I don't know. That's the crazy thing. Is Biden thinking apparently that like uh, the ticket to popularity in America is to put a new sanction on Russia every 37 minutes when the one thing we know a lot of these sanctions do is increase inflation. And then another thing we know is that voters don't like inflation.
1: And the other thing he's doing, of course, is uh, removing the one border control policy he had, which was this health emergency title Four, chapter 42 title 42 that let him send back half the people just uh, just on the basis of we don't want you you might have disease and uh so he's going to get rid of that and and, and they're they're like there are four possible reasons why he's doing that one is he wants people to beg them to reinstate it and they're starting mm-hmm. to do that the democrats are so terrified that all the ones in swing states especially on uh, near the border are imploring him to reinstate it like the candidate in Nevada and Arizona uh uh the Democrats are all imploring him so he wants to be forced to do it uh the second thing would be uh that he wants to uh you know no crisis goes to waste he wants to use this to to uh to in order to get to get some sort of big immigration bill comprehensive amnesty and there's they're actually starting talks and you know how I feel about that Bob they're starting talks I do with uh, with uh, Republican sellout Tom Tillis and uh, Dick Durbin on how to pass a big immigration bill. So he could be heightening the contradictions, Lenin style, in order to have a crisis that then doesn't go to ways that they solve on his terms. He could be using. He could be satisfied with what Mayorkas wants to do, which is not an amnesty, but basically you let everybody in and you deputize, uh, uh officials just to give a uh, a permanent amnesty uh, on the basis of sort of an instant assessment. So basically, you basically let everybody in. Or it could just be monumentally stupid. That's the fourth option. I would tend to favor
0: the fourth option,
1: but uh, you never
0: know. Um, Well, you should send a memo to one of your White House friends that they can use this second variant of Omicron uh, as an excuse to walk back their policy. That's a very good idea. Hey, that's the second... That's the second uh, it, good idea for, I've had
1: for Joe Biden. If, if it worked for Pelosi, mm-hmm.
0: it could work so for you. You're actually writing this down. You're actually writing this down. You're you're gonna like email Bruce Reed. I,
1: I Bruce Reed. I sent him one email. And he didn't answer. No, I think he. I think he's smart enough to realize this. If if it's his call,
0: i you know, you never know. These guys are busy. They're, they're <laughs> not getting sleep. That's why um, they need us. Because we are getting sleep, and tell him, and while you're emailing him, tell him that idea about challenging uh, Putin to a two week ceasefire to let the Ukrainian farmers plant their wheat. Okay, Maybe we
1: just we should issue a joint communiqué every week telling them what to do.
0: Um, yeah, we should challenge them to challenge Putin. We will issue a challenge communiqué. Yeah, there's um, a bunch of politics news. There's
1: uh, Sarah Palin running for Congress. And it's worth remembering that she was an excellent governor of Alaska. Have you? Um, did we talk about that last week? She was an excellent governor of Alaska. I've never signed on to out. that
0: formulation of her of her career that she was J- an excellent Josh governor. Josh Green of, of, who's a man of the certainly a Democrat, uh,
1: the, a journalist? Sort of a the journalist, the journalist guy? did a, yeah. did a uh, you know he wrote a book about Steve Bannon. He's, he's a very good journalist with a couple of exceptions but um he uh he tended to believe things that bannon told him which is always a mistake Mm -hmm. uh but um uh he did he he went around the country looking for like the best governor in america and he decided shit i'm afraid it's sarah palin because she'd solved a long-term problem in alaska of uh the oil companies running the show and not getting favorable treatment and not giving anything to alaskans and then they cut a deal and uh and, and it worked out for a while, so it was she did something that hadn't been done before. Uh, she um uh anyway she's she's running she's being endorsed by Trump. I don't know if she, you know if she can come back and win it and it's been a long time since she's been around Alaska. Uh, I did notice a photograph of hers, Bob, and this is something you'll only get on the paradigm. Only get here. Mm. Her fingers are really weird. Mm. they They have an extra each knuckle is badly swollen. it looks like the claw of a of a large angry bird. It looks like she may be it looks like this might be a symptom of actually something that's serious like some sort of arthritis that's like blowing up your joints to twice their usual size uh some some autoimmune thing i i I'd want a doctor to take a look at a photo of her. Of her hand.
0: I think we can get a negative campaign ad out of this. You have weird hands? Yeah. Sarah Palin. What she doesn't show you is her hands. Are you in good hands or gnarly hands? Um, <laughs> Are you in human hands? Well, there is. If they don't look human. That's my point. This is a great ad. Let's cut it. Send somebody a memo. Okay. Um...
1: That's By the way, we've scoop. been doing
0: we've been doing this an hour, so I think uh, some of the things you plan to talk about we should save for the parrot room, possibly. Like all of well, them, good. Maybe. There, there was a radical
1: fall off in gravity between Ukraine and the things I want to talk about. But
0: we were oh well, that's good. We, we low gravitas is is the parrot room's reason raison de exactly. what is the term exactly? What is reason for being in France in French in frog, whatever raison d'être raison d'être well, okay, um, so what are you going to talk about in the parrot room, Mickey? Uh, well, I have um, uh,
1: um, the um, this this guy Richard Hanania, who I think you know. Ananya. Hanania. Hanania. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Wrote a um, wrote a, wrote a an essay on people who think it's okay for the decline family to decline because we can have a. Vibrant public sphere, Bob, and that the vibrant public sphere will somehow provide the uh, antidotes of loneliness and meaning that uh, is lost when fa- fewer people you- are living in families. Having written a book calling for a vibrant public sphere, uh, I felt I had to, uh, I felt that he was talking to me. And I have a complicated reaction to. And does he him. claim
0: that his 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 reason for being skeptical of the uh, of the vibrant public sphere is Darwinian? Yes. Okay. So I think I might take issue with him. I may be on your side, but we'll talk about that.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh.
0: So there's that.
1: There's a uh, there's some. Uh. Some politics. There's this guy David McCormick, this hedge funder running in Pennsylvania. I learned some more stuff about him. Uh. There's uh, the seven-minute gap on January 6th. There's some January 6th stuff.
0: Trump's gap. There's a yeah. seven-minute gap, and a guy got
1: acquitted just recently. Like, we talked a the little about that I,
0: in last week's, maybe in the parrot room, but uh, there's no such thing as too much talk about that, if you ask me. We did talk about the seven-minute gap because cause the right a is little. claiming that it's now completely
1: disintegrated, and it was a completely fake story.
0: Now, I made some kind of Rosemary Woods reference, remember?
1: right right, but the 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 but people will say no, it's not rosemary woods rosemary woods is it's thought to have actually intentionally deleted yes. things and there there's not evidence of that, although I'm not sure that there's not some weirdness going on mm-hmm. um, uh there's um, uh bill uh, is our electric cars really our future? Uh I I've I've actually heard some doubts about this. Uh, but that'll but be interesting. Totally people, everybody is behaving as if electric cars are totally our future.
0: And I can give you um, the two-month uh, update on my my hybrid car, which I've driven for exactly two months almost. Well that has that does have some electricity on it, doesn't it? it does have electricity. Uh, there's uh, Tiger Woods' comeback. Amazing! I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Tiger Woods. I mean, I, I think it, he's not having it, such a great day today, which is the second day of the Masters. But to show up—well, we'll, we'll talk about this in the parrot room—to to show up and do what he did to, on the first day of the Masters after the accident he had a year ago—is—is mind blowing. And I want to talk about that. There's a uh, liberals
1: at a press conference. A few liberals, like five of them at a press conference
0: attacking the Iran deal. uh, Uh, Okay, you don't. uh, We can talk about it. I'm willing to slander them, sure. I like the split between Poland and Hungary on Ukraine. Yeah, well, I want to ask you about Orban. I don't know enough about him. I don't know that much about him either, but- You know uh, more than I do. It's possible. Um,
1: Anyway, this could be the this could be the week where we run out of things to talk about. So, we, what I was going to talk um,
0: about like uh interesting thing, I I talk about this in today's issue of the non zero newsletter, but there's a a mystery man in a uh in a video, this video of um uh, this was written up in in the Times and the BBC and everything but this video of apparently Ukrainian forces executing Russian POWs. There's a, one member of the Ukrainian forces is kind of, you can see him very clearly. Not He's not doing the shooting, but he's there and he's celebrating. And it's just a weird story who it turns out he may be. And I want to talk really? about that. Yeah, uh, the, the BBC alludes to it. The New York Times original has, I think now deleted a couple of paragraphs where they said, he seems to be the guy in this picture. Now I went back to the same URL and that part's gone because I think they realize you got to be kind of careful about casually asserting that this guy who commits atrocities, may be this guy who's, who's in a, in a picture uh, with, with a prominent politician from the country of Georgia. But, uh, but I want to talk about that and the, and the whole, and the whole thing um and maybe a little more and uh and i and uh yeah the the whole maybe some of the various conspiracy theories surrounding all of this none of which seem to me well substantiated so far but one of which is what got scott ritter uh kicked off of twitter talk about that uh I have been listening to this uh, book by William Burns, uh, director of the CIA, about his history and diplomacy. I want to talk about that a little. I'll say a little about the movie Drive My Car, which I finished watching, Japanese movie that was up for best picture. Um, one of our commenters wanted us to, to uh, me to try to uh, show some cognitive empathy to Trump, look at things from his point of view, understand his uh, perspective better. I, I'm willing to take a, Look at that. The um, the. Uh, by the way, on the uh, I want to give give a couple of media awards. I often criticize, like the the Times and the Post, um, but they've they've on on Ukraine in a particular along a particular dimension. They've shown, I think, commendable, almost courageous balance. Uh, I want to complain, Mickey, that this the my theory of Will Smith, which I trotted out in the parrot room last week. Was not hailed as the pioneering and pathbreaking work. I think it is, as the very Rosetta Stone of Will well, there, there
1: there if you read the if you read the web pages devoted to celebrity gossip, there's a lot of stuff about Jada Pinkett's affair with uh, this rapper. Yeah and he and he, he's he's is he writing a tell-all book? He's saying he's not writing a tell-all book. There are these pictures of them together. You know, I mean, it's the, the weirdness of the marriage is front and center.
0: Yeah, and today, so, did you see the video from 2019 of that she shot of him and him talking about? I was totally with him. Yeah. Is that the one where he says, I'm in my home, turn off the fucking turn camera? Turn that shit
1: off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, he's right. Still. I mean, um, I, would, so- I, I, I wouldn't want this camera running
0: all the time while I was at home, man. Jesus. No, but it still doesn't look that great he, when he says social media is my bread and butter. You're not supposed to say that out loud if social media is your bread and butter. It's supposed to seem authentic, you know. It, 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 is, it, is it Will Smith's bread and butter? I don't think so. Well, he said it was. That's well, what he, he says in the video. He's wrong. Um. Okay, so I don't know what else. Is that um, it? Ch- we'll, we'll, should- we'll stumble onto other stuff
1: uh yes uh should i get for a for shot
0: yeah that's uh, that'll bring him in <laughs>
1: i'll bring him in um uh maybe i'll read some there's this guy there's this hedge funder named ray dahlia who runs a cult-like firm yeah, yeah didn't he write some best
0: he wrote a bestseller didn't he right
1: and somebody sent me the bestseller so maybe i'll read it and discover
0: yeah, why don't you read it out loud? shit is! We'll read the whole book out loud in the parrot room. So parrot room is a patreon.com slash parrot room uh, where people can um, show their support for us, for one thing. Right, Mickey? I mean, should we just make it a flat out appeal for charity and pity? <laughs> Want to do that? At this point, that might work. That might uh, work. We've exhausted all other approaches. Folks, um, we're suffering. Take a good look at, at Mickey. Take pity on us. Don't you want to help? Yeah. Okay. So if I can find the off button, I'll click it. We'll head into the parrot room and we'll see the people who really love us there.